Want to support the show? How about becoming a Route 16 Grind Patreon today for as little as a buck a month? It's not just a contribution, but an investment goes directly to the show. Help this podcast expand and grow. Check out the show notes for the links to our Patreon page. Route 16 Grind, Episode 11. Who hid these reviews? This week on the Route 16 Grind, in the outdoor update, I will discuss Sunday hunting on public land in North Carolina. In the rock, mud, and dirt, Brian will talk about the Traction Jack Recovery Board Kit. And in our Go Adventuring segment, Brian has an awesome interview with Dan from Operation Reboot Outdoors. Then we'll wrap the show up in typical fashion with the Cup of Joe. The Route 16 Grind is sponsored by Sea State Coffee, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, and Route 16 Off-Road. Welcome to the Route 16 Grind, the podcast for outdoor adventurers. Each week, we bring you information related to off-road and outdoor activities. If you wheel, hunt, fish, overland, or are an all-around adventurer, this podcast is for you. Each week, we pour a cup of sea steak coffee and talk about informative topics, the gear, and the training that can help you have a successful outdoor adventure. We have amazing contributors and some great conversation. So, grab your cup and enjoy the show. Here are your hosts, Brian and Chuck. All right, Chuck. Great to have you back, brother. Yeah, man. Good to be back. How you been? Good, good. How did you do? Give me some details. Uh, man, it was a good time. Uh, went down, camped fr- Friday and Saturday night. Ended up getting pretty cold. We had a buddy of mine. He got sick. We had already planned on getting an Airbnb anyway, so we stayed in the house the the rest of the week, which was nice because it was in the in the teens. But I saw a bunch of deer, only one buck, uh, and we were in a buck-only area. But uh, my buddy actually ended up shooting a small four-pointer at like 11 o'clock on the second day. That's nice. Um, well, yeah, which was nice. I mean, we went in totally blind. I met a guy uh, walking in the the first morning we actually got to hunt because Saturday was just rained out. And I talked to him for a second and... He kind of told me where I was going was a pretty good area and kind of what to look for. And it was, I mean, it worked out like I saw deer nonstop, uh, hunted all day on, uh, all day Monday. Okay. So I hunted Sunday morning and evening hunt, typical fashion. And then Monday hunted all day long, uh, came down long enough to cut the deer up so my buddy could pack it out. But, and then went and got right back in the stand. Yeah. And I was it was a blast, uh, super successful, just no deer put down on my end, at least. Well, you know what? You got one. Uh, w- hey, was that really a venison burger on that stand? Yeah, it was hundred percent. Oh man. Dang. That's awesome. So, Hey, I, you know what? That right there brought me joy, but you know, while you're away, I was looking at our website and I have missed a couple of reviews. So I got a couple of reviews I want to do right now, and then we're going to wait for one for the cup of Joe. But I have two that I want to mention. So Doug R., uh, this is his. He says, Brian and Chuck, keep it up. Episode two was good as the first. Was thinking it would be interesting for a future segment to in the year to interview Mike Heath uh, from True Patriot. 
on what it takes to conduct an event, all the things that make an event successful and the things that get that are forgotten in the shuffle. Hey, thanks, Doug. You know what? That might be something really good that I'll do. I know Doug from out here in this area, and I will definitely put it on there. Mike is out. Uh, he's still active duty Army, so he's a little occupied right now. But I'm pretty sure when he gets back, we'll be able to sync up and do that. And Tony S., amazing podcast. was great to hear about the hunting spotlights today. And, of course, Brian Roberts with a super spokesman for Zombie Crawlers again. Y'all rock. Thank you so much. Thank you, Tony. I really appreciate that. I have a feeling that Tony might be a part of the zombie crawlers. Yeah, I enjoyed that interview too. And Byron, you did do a good job. The Outdoor Update is brought to you by Tuffy Security Products. Having your vehicle broken into is not a laughing matter. Trust Tuffy Security Products to stop opportunistic thieves. Tuffy is the industry leader in automotive security and provides peace of mind when you walk away from your rig. Durable and easy to install. Tuffy Security Products has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for you to organize your rig and secure your gear. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. Remember to lock it up. Welcome back to the Outdoor Update, the weekly segment where we provide you with stories, news, and information from the recent goings-on in the outdoor world. So before I get into the nuts and bolts of the discussion tonight, I want to start off with a little bit of clarification. So in this following blurb, I'll be using the terms public land and game lands interchangeably. Um, realistically to define it properly, I should say that in North Carolina, game lands are pieces of public land where hunting is allowed. Other States may call them wildlife management areas or WMAs, but nonetheless, when I say public land, I'm referring to those lands where some form of hunting is allowed. And that would mean I'm excluding all state and national parks. So I just wanted to clear that up before anyone got confused as I was moving along because sometimes I take for granted my understanding of what I'm talking about. And I didn't want you to think, well, is there a difference, whatnot. So that's just some clarification. So now for the the real topic of the matter. So currently in North Carolina, uh, hunting on public land on Sunday is prohibited. Technically, it's legal, but as of 2017, with the passing of the Outdoor Heritage Enhanced Act, or Enhanced Law, the discretion was given to the land manager, which in most cases in North Carolina is the Wildlife Resources Commission. And I have a very big problem with the Wildlife Resources Commission continuing to prohibit hunter access to public land when they have the authority to change it. One reason is because prohibiting Sunday hunting on game lands unfairly precludes one user group for participating in their preferred outdoor recreation activity. All the other user groups have the ability to utilize game lands 365 days a year, where hunters are already limited to a handful of months, and now there's certain days that are taken away. It should go without saying that not allowing Sunday hunting on game land is limiting the access of one of two user groups for argument's sake I'll view anglers totally separate that are paying directly into the management of these lands through license purchases. But I digress back to equality. There are many individuals that rely entirely on game land for their hunting access. And if these people are working during the week, then that means that they only have one day a week to hunt. The impacts of prohibiting Sunday hunting on public land are further magnified when you look at a public land gun only hunter 
that hunts whitetails in western North Carolina. The hunter I just described would not only be would only be able to hunt three days during the 2019 North Carolina deer season due to rifle season being only three weeks in western North Carolina. The above scenario I just described does exist and requiring this hunter to take vacation days or to make additional sacrifices to get extra days in the field is unfair and downright wrong. Other user groups are not willing to give up, oh, let's say a Saturday so that hunters have a day of exclusivity in the woods without any other outside disturbances, and I don't think they should be. So why should the argument be used against hunters that I'd like to have a day to go hiking on public land where I don't have to worry about bumping into a hunter? We aren't the boogeyman, and folks shouldn't be walking around in the woods worrying about hunters. I'm well aware accidents do happen, but that's far from the norm. And to use these accidents as a form of, as a talking point, it's only using it as anecdotal evidence that hunters make non-hunters experience in the woods any less safe. In addition to the equitable access with license sales and hunter participation on decline and land access being one of the contributing factors, I cannot imagine that continuing to limit hunter access is assisting in accomplishing the goals of hunter recruitment. I know for a fact that the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission cares about hunter recruitment, retention, and reactivation due to me participating in programs that they've put on like Getting Started Outdoors. It's difficult for me to see how that getting rid of the prohibition on Sunday hunting on game land doesn't assist in the state's R3 efforts, and it definitely doesn't hurt them. It is in my opinion that for an agency that relies so heavily on license sales to hit budget, they should be bending over backwards to take all of the necessary steps to ensure that their efforts in boosting those license sales are maximized. And so I bring all this up because currently in North Carolina, the Wildlife Resources Commission is asking for the public opinion on this issue through an online survey plus a series of public hearings that are going to be held in February. The survey is open until February 2nd, and the meetings are scheduled, like I mentioned, for later on. And I would love for all of our North Carolinian listeners in support of allowing sportsmen to hunt North Carolina game lands on Sundays to take the survey and attend the meetings if you have time. And if you want to get to the survey or if you want to see the schedule for these meetings, you can check out the links that we have in the show notes. Hey, so with that survey, Chuck, does someone have to be actively a hunter and licensed right now? Or can they be someone who's just interested possibly getting in hunting? And that's something that may be, you know, hey, I would love to do it, but this Sunday honey thing, can they still take the survey? Okay, so yeah, with the survey, it is, it's not exclusively meant to go to four hunters and it's not i hate to say it's not meant for people that are just pro sunday hunting on game land either the resource commission generally wants they genuinely want people's opinion uh so yeah no you you don't have to be a hunter to fill out the fill out the survey like for example say say you're a backpacker and you listen to this and you're you go well you know what he's made some compelling arguments and chuck's right he is being excluded for being able to go out and participate on uh, participate in hunting on Sundays when I'm allowed to go hike. It's no, I mean, it's literally no different, particularly when I'm paying license fees to get in. So then you as a backpacker could go on and fill that survey out and you, and, and it asks you if you hunt, the survey comes out and says, do you hunt? Yes or no. But then it asks you, do you backpack? 
Do you camp? Do you uh, just general hiking, biking, just whatever? So, yeah, no. Uh, long story short, yeah, you don't have to be a hunter to take the survey. So I'm looking at, hey, maybe you want to get some family members involved. Right. You maybe oh, yeah. have some other interest. And, you know, so there, there's a lot of opportunity there. And again, if we do not voice our opinion, all these things will go away. They absolutely would. Uh, I 100%. No, no doubt in my mind. So here's an opportunity that, you know, we can voice our opinion. They are our lands. So let's be good managers for them. And ensure that the people who are caretaking for them uh, in our place do so with our instructions. And that's really how I look at the survey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Nope. The, um, it, I would feel a little less disgruntled about it if it wasn't up to the commission to make the decision. And at the end of the day, I'm funding the commission's budget. Right. Don't limit my access. It's a, it's a great point. And, uh, yeah, you know how I feel about government. So, <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, that's a, a great conversation, but I also look at it this way. There's middle ground. I'm glad that they are being proactive and, uh, putting the information out there and they have been very proactive. I see the links on Facebook. I see the stuff right. and other things. So to say that, you know, they're not really getting the information out there. I think they're doing a pretty good job. I've seen that survey yep. a few times. So, yep. uh, and, and well, this is actually, I'm pretty sure this is the second time they've done it. I think the first time they did it in 2018, it wasn't comprehensive enough. And they were instructed to go back out and do additional surveying. I, I believe that's how it played out before. I, I think that makes sense because it's a, it's a lot of stuff. I already have, <laughs> uh, went through it and, and gave my piece in it. And it is, it's, it covers a lot of ground. And I was very impressed. And the stuff that it really, I felt didn't really pertain to me or I didn't really feel necessary to comment on, I just went past that. So it's not one of those things where you have to leave a comment yet. There's things you could just pass on. So it's, it's very simple. Uh, let your voice be heard, people. Let it be heard. We'd like to feature your success in outdoor adventures, so shoot us the pics over to us with a brief story. Route16.com and select contact. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. Hey, this is Nikki D. I just want to say thanks for having me on the show last week. I really enjoyed it. And I want to thank everybody out there. The amount of uh, support and love I'm getting is uh, amazing. I never would have guessed in my lifetime that total strangers would just be sending me wishes of well. And uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. And I want to say this. I can't remember now. I think Cheryl that was on the show last week. I'm sorry if I got your name wrong. Uh, I, I, I love to see the diverse group of people out on the trail instead of uh, the testosterone fueled rednecks that we used to have out there, such as me. Uh, it's, I, I love seeing women, family, kids, it's it's pretty good. Although it does make it hard to use the privy at times. All right, and I'll check them. Hope you make it back. I'm sure you're going to have tons of stories, hopefully good ones. And I'll catch you later, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to, uh, while you were out there, try to catch Nikki G's uh, interview. Uh, I I was pretty impressed by him talking about his project. And I was happy to where people could see a different side of Nicky G. That's just the guy that calls in. Yeah, that's actually right where I am on last week's podcast. I've heard him say maybe three or four sentences. But, uh, no, I I thought that when you came to me with the idea to get Nicky G on, I was like, well, it's perfect. Because he's, I mean, he's already been on every episode anyway. 
Right. So to interview him and to explain, be like, no, this is Nikki G. This isn't just a just a, a fishing and Sasquatch joke telling machine. He's also he's he's got some stake in this too. So yeah, it was it was it's gonna be good. I'm looking forward to finishing it up. Heck yeah. Thank you so much, Nikki G. Really enjoy your calls. Appreciate it. And hopefully no aliens abduct you anytime soon. Wanna be on the show? Maybe share with us some interesting hunting, fishing, overlanding, wheeling, or adventuring news. Then give us a call at the Route 16 hotline at 919-694-3356, and maybe you will be on our next show. In the Rock, Mud and Dirt is brought to you by Warren Industries. At Warren, we pour our effort and our thirst for adventure into every product we make. You better believe American pride runs deep here in Clackamas, Oregon. Here, a small army of engineers, technicians, machinists, and assemblers design and refine worn products, bringing them as close to perfection as possible. Their work is backed up by legendary quality control that doesn't just stand up to rigid worn standards. It lives up to the toughest demands of the world's top vehicle manufacturers and military suppliers. How do we know? Because they've partnered with Warren for decades. This quest for peerless reliability, this worn difference will be around as long as Warren Industries is in business. At least another 70 years. Go prepared. Go Warren. Welcome back to the Rock, Mud, and Dirt. This is a segment where we talk about the brands and the products from the off-road world. This week, I'm going to talk about the Traction Jack Recovery Board Kit made by Traction Jack LLC. The Traction Jack Recovery Board Kit is the first multi-purpose USA-based traction kit that is portable, cost-effective, Reliable for virtually any situation. The company Traction Jack LLC was established in 2009 focused on solving one problem, having a traction device to get you unstuck that was easy to store, tough enough for any situation. The patent-protecting folding design is custom-engineered to be the ultimate recovery board set, useful as vehicle levelers as a solid platform for a jack to change a tire or to bridge over a small gaps obstacles when folded in half. Designed to be portable, fits in any size vehicle. Resilient, conquers any terrain, and versatile, multifunctional in vehicle recovery situations. Assembled in Texas, the Traction Jack Recovery Kit comes with a set of two recovery boards. Each traction board weighs 12.6 pounds. These boards are 12 inches wide, 1 inch tall, and they can be used with small ATVs, passenger cars, and can also tackle the largest off-road tires available. These traction boards have over 270 surface spikes that are strategically placed in order to conform to the contours of even the largest off-road tire. No problem with the grip when you're using a traction jack recovery board. When the board is folded, it is 26 inches long. When it's unfolded, it's 52 inches long. When you compare the traction jack specs with the competition, the traction jack recovery boards are 15% longer and 10 inches wider. The quality materials used for the construction provides the durability to be effective and stable at weights up to 30,000 gross vehicle weight, or GVW. The traction jack board is manufactured using proprietary polycomposite blend material and has galvanized steel rod hinging pins. The kit includes two folding jacks, leash ropes, instructions, and a free replacement warranty. We have been a huge fan of the traction jack board for a few years now. Easy to store, easy to employ, and very affordable. Check them out today at their webpage at www.tractionjack.com. Or if you're interested in purchasing one of these, you can also hit us up at Route 16 as we are authorized Traction Jack dealer. Dude, I'm glad I'm not a Jeeper or an off-roader or overlander. I'd have so much money sunk into gear. 
It's it is it is. There's uh there is some gear in it. The the great thing about these boards, like a set, will cost you under two hundred bucks. Uh, it really did. And if you look at some other boards that are out there, so there's a there's a board um, that's very popular that's out there. They comes from overseas. And yeah. You see a lot of overlanders with them and stuff. Oh yeah. I love these because they fold up. They're they are literally easy to store. I've had them for a couple of years during the inaugural Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam. Um, we helped a no kidding you know food truck to get unstuck on soft sand. So think about one of those, you know, food trucks, big old tires, a lot of weight to it. This thing was dug deep. I took a, a crazy beaver shovel, dug a hole, got this board. And think about the board too. It's not like full on straight. It bends and it, it bends. So you can kind of dig a hole, shove it under the tire right there, and it can still have an up angle. And it, it is so easy to use. Right. I, you know, other boards, they might be, uh, good for certain situations i i've never had a problem with these when i was out at the beach here i probably recovered four vehicles in one day and it was really because i had most of the time only needed one of the boards i didn't need both of them there and if, if they get worn out you just say hey hey trash and jacko one of my boards needs a replacement you can unscrew it and they'll send you hey you need one or two boards they'll send it out and you screw it back in hmm. you're good to go man yeah yeah so what uh what the heck is a crazy beaver shovel? Oh my god, I gotta have those guys on. Uh, <laughs> check it out. So it's kind of like a shovel with teeth on it, and when you dig in with it, it digs in. And they have a variety of different ones. Uh, so they have the one with teeth. They also have one called a mud shovel. The mud shovel has holes in it. So think of a shovel that looks something like a uh, a strainer, if you will. So when you dig in mud, mm-hmm. it's not picking up water. It's just picking up the mud and rocks. That thing's pretty uh, cool. So that's those are two different type of shovels. They're pretty popular with a lot of off-roaders and overlanders. You'll you'll see them out there. I need to get those guys on too. They're a good brand too. But hmm. I, I would run both these together and you'd be good to go. Hmm. Imagine walking back to your vehicle in the parking lot and seeing glass on the ground with your door wide open. Your stomach drops and your world is turned upside down. Don't become a victim of opportunistic thieves. Be proactive and install a toughie. Since 1989... Tuffy Security Products has been the key to locking it up. Tuffy has adventure-ready consoles, drawers, and lockboxes available for your rig. With universal and vehicle-specific options, has something for what you drive. Organize your rig and secure your gear by visiting TuffyProducts.com today. And special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. That's G-R-I-N-D in the special offer code box when you go to checkout at TuffyProducts.com. Go Adventure! This week on our Go Adventuring segment, we speak with Dan from Operation Reboot Outdoors. Located in Maine, this is an amazing bootstrap nonprofit organization that assists veterans and law enforcement officers by helping them reset, providing them an opportunity to enjoy guided hunting, fishing, and recreational trips. All of these outdoor experiences are 100% free to the participants. We had an amazing time doing this interview. I got a lot from it. And I hope that you all will as well. All right. Welcome back to Go Adventuring. I'm here with Dan with Operation Reboot Outdoors. Hey, Dan, thank you so much for coming on. I know it was quick. Appreciate you being here. No problem, Brian. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, my name is Dan Waite. I'm from a small town in uh, Maine called Canton. Grew up in a 900-people pe- uh, population town um, with big ambitions. Join the Army, be an Army Ranger, be a high-speed soldier. And follow some of the footsteps of my uh, relatives growing up. 
and uh, role models that I uh, looked up to. And um, I joined the Army right out of high school in 2000. And I, became, I, was, I signed up as an 11 Bravo, went straight to Benin, uh, got out of basic. Well, actually, let me back it up. We were in basic, and uh, September 11 happened. Oh, wow. And um, Yeah, and the drill sergeants pull us in and show us the footage. We thought it was a fake drill. And then when they pulled us out into the common area and had us all call on the pay phones, we knew it was kind of real for all the people that were in the New York area. And um, I immediately knew when I called, I got to call my mom and family, and she was bawling on the phone that it was real, and I needed to step my game up. And uh, I was kind of scared and nervous, but at the same time, I was excited, and it gave some validity, uh, validity to why I joined the military and to um, be the best soldier I can be and protect my homeland. And um, I had orders for 10th Mountain in uh, New York, but they got changed to where the Army needed me to go. And I got stationed over in the 25th ID in Hawaii. I got there, and uh, I, I was with 235 Cacti. And I started out now the company, became a heavy gunner. But then my PT score was great, and they sent me to recon. And from then on, I, it was no looking back. I got all the high-speed schools from Ranger Airborne Air Assault. Um, I got my EIB True Blue uh, and just just never looked back and went to war, came back. I, had, I got married to my wife before I took off and came back, and my first uh, term was up, and I decided to get out. And things started uh, spiraling downhill when I first got out. Yeah, it's tough uh, transition, especially for after uh, all that experience you had. So you were in the infantry, obviously, you know, you were involved in some things out there. I totally get that. Yep. It's a tough transition. Uh, it's it's yep. probably when you transitioned too, it, was, it wasn't like now where you got this kind of like a uh, little bit of space in between the environment and then kind of walk you back into home and all that. There's, there's some programs now. I remember being in no kidding combat and then a couple weeks later sitting in my living room yeah it's a quite a transition that's 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 pretty uh pretty tough so right with that with that transition what did you do well i got home and like you said it was a tough transition it was like uh it was like a freight train you know that i couldn't shut off when i got home and that all that structure and all that purpose i had when i was in was gone and I was, I was broken. I didn't even know it. And, uh, it's probably one of the toughest things to admit in my life. And I needed to kind of like when we first joined, they break us down and rebuild us. I needed, I didn't know how to do that on my own. And like when we're in and with everybody teaches you to ha that, you know, your brothers, brothers have your back. They're going to show you what to do. If you don't know how to do it, they're going to be there to pick you up and never leave a fallen comrade behind. If anything happens, and when I got home, I lost that. And then uh, I got in some trouble. I went to a bar one night, and I uh, got in a, I got in a fight, and uh, I was in trouble. But at the time, I was going to college, too, and trying to support my family, staying up all night, which I didn't mind, trying to uh, make ends meet with my wife and do college as well. And I got myself in some serious trouble. I was looking at some assault charges, and... Um, Lo and behold, with that year wait, I've never been in trouble in my life. I got the I got orders to Iraq on IR, 
And that oh, was wow. important back to Ben. Brought you back, huh? Yeah, they called me back. And, you know, deep down inside, I was like, I didn't let my wife know, but I was kind of doing the old fist pump behind her back. And I knew that this was going to help me out. But during the time, nobody knew I was going to the vet center to get help because I couldn't transition very well. And the VA just wasn't cutting it for me. And I really kind of went in there and backed out, went to the veterans center because the guys at the vet centers up here in Maine are all, all uh, veterans. And, you know, I keep it confidential. If I ask them not to say anything, they wouldn't. I think that's a huge resource for veterans out there and they hold true to it. And, uh, that kind of saved me, but also I knew I, I knew they would better my odds of not getting in trouble if I went back into service. So I did, and I was I was uh, pretty pumped about it, high speed, ready to go. And um, then, of course, I got thrown back into it with already being kind of broken and lost. I did my best over there, and uh, Iraq tour. I made it almost all the way to the end. Had a couple IEDs, and I got rattled a little bit, and I got sent to Longshell, Germany. And they, uh, I was there for, you know, a while. And then I got sent to Walter Reed for a couple months. And uh, I was diagnosed with uh, between uh, severe and moderate PD, uh, TBI and uh, severe PTSD, which I can't tell the difference between the two. It's, you know, is a real hard uh, way to tell between the two because they're similar. And right. um, so I basically just, you know, got thrown out of Walter Reed and, medically discharged from the army because I couldn't be a combat MOS anymore. And I didn't want to be right. I mean, I, I mean, I wanted to be, but I, they wanted me, they said I could do other jobs like be in the office stuff. And I just, I just couldn't see myself doing it. Right. I, I totally understand. Uh, I, I, you know, uh, I remember when I first came in, I couldn't imagine, uh, I lost some hearing initially in desert storm and I just couldn't imagine doing anything else than what I was doing at that time. And so if I was given the choice of, you know, go do a desk job or continue to do what I'm doing, if I had to do the desk job, I know for a fact I would have got out. It's a tough transition. You went through a lot there. And um, so the big thing is I, I think pride is a little bit doing when you, you know yep. something's up and, you know, who do I talk to? Who do I trust? You're, you're worried uh, that it could cause problems within while you're in uniform. You're worried it's going to cause problems when you're out of uniform. You're worried it's going to cause problems uh, with your family. You don't want to be in these problems. I mean, there's all these things that veterans every day have problem with. A little bit of it is pride. Uh, a lot of it, it's resource, the right resource. And I think you hit a little bit on it with, you know, the VA structure. Um, yeah. So that is what's awesome about what you are doing. Uh, personally, I connect a lot with your organization, and I'll share a tiny bit of that, but I don't want to steal your thunder. Please tell me what Operation Reboot Outdoors is. I'm excited to hear about it. Okay, so here it, was. Here it goes right here. The straight up reel. I got out from Walter Reed. I struggled. I was shut in for years. I couldn't find my reason. I had kids and I had uh, I started a family, but I was still lost and no structure, no purpose. So I, so I grew up in Maine, as I as I said in the beginning. And uh, some of the things I enjoyed when I was younger was hunting and fishing, in the outdoors and just uh, spending right. some quiet time out in the woods. So I had this idea, and I've been doing it off and on my since I've been out. Is that I, you know, bring some brothers and sisters that I served with out into Maine, and we did fly fishing, hunting. Anything along that line that's outdoors and camping, 
and uh, we found some real some real uh, peace in those woods and on the water. And it was kind of like my healing and what got me jump started me to the healing process of finding my purpose and structure and showing other other veterans and LEOs and service members, you know, the way that I found the healing. So did you just kind of yourself like, hey, I'm going to go start fishing? Or what was that thing that kind of got you going with that that led to the Operation Reboot, Reboot Outdoors uh, organization? Because when I was at Walter Reed, during the lull times of doing like uh, therapy and stuff like that, we would go down to the common area and play poker and we'd all talk about things that made us feel good or just, you know, shoot the, shoot the crap down there. And, uh, and I found myself repeatedly talking about the outdoors and everybody pretty intrigued about it. And, um, I said to myself when I was down there, that would be awesome if I could do it. But for years I put it off and I, and I, uh, yeah. finally uh, sucked it up and became a registered main guide. And I said, I'm going to start this organization called Operation Reboot Outdoors because that's what it feels like when I go out in the woods. It feels like I rebooted myself. I'm feeling sluggish and down and like, you know, starting to get into that uh, dark place. Then I always go out in the wilderness and it seems like it re it rejumps, it reboots me for, you know, at least a little while and it just continuously keeps doing it. And I found that if you continuously do this, it feels pretty good and you can sleep at night. And it slows you down. And I think that's the big thing because I find myself like for me, you know, I didn't hunt for years. I didn't really fish that much. I would go every now and then, took my kids. But, you know, there's a difference between just throwing a pole, uh, you know, put something on a bait, throwing a pole and actually fishing. There's a big difference, I believe. Um, and I went pheasant hunting last year with a wonderful organization, uh, out here, uh, Beaver Pond, it's a kind of like a club and uh, they run a enduring gratitude event. So a buddy of mine who runs a veteran org said, you know, you should go. So I went and it just totally, I wouldn't have a podcast if it wasn't for that event. Let me put it that way. Um, it my I came home, my wife could tell the big difference. And I said, yeah, man, I used to hunt. I used to do all this stuff like decades ago. And just like you said, I put it off like, oh yeah, yeah. It is amazing what it does for you. And I, and I agree. Every time you get back out there, it's it's like a reboot. And there's also things going on that you just identify with. When you're being outdoors, it's the challenge. Um, and also, I think it's that respect, too. And there's a tremendous amount of respect at, uh, mutual with the people that you're going with. As well as for, you know, whatever you're going for, whether it's a specific fish, whether it's, you know, some type of big game, small game, whatever you know, there's a, there's a respect with it as well. And it is really uh, invigorating to, to get out there. And I truly admire what you are doing. So let's talk about some of the people that have come there and, and you just have seen that, you know, change where, you know, someone comes and, you know, they probably might've had their feet dragging and then all of a sudden, you know, they get involved and you see that change happening. So you have any of those great stories to share? Yeah, I have one good story. The one that made me solidify, you know, that I needed to make this official and become a veteran organization was, uh, you know, for years I did it and uh, kind of like, you know, with what I could do with my own budget without breaking the bank. And then one year I got crazy after I got right, right. Just what, 2018. And, um, we did uh, eight veteran bear hunts, which nice. if you know anything about bear hunting is a uh, pretty extensive amount of work. And I had some 
what I call my core group of guys who helped me start Operation Reboot, who are very knowledgeable outdoorsmen and uh, some of them veteran is, veterans as well. And uh, we took on eight veterans and one veteran, I'm not going to mention his name, came along. And uh, when he showed up, he told me that I could just see in his face. You can tell in these guys' voices in their face because we're, we're all broken. We can tell, you know, you can tell another broken uh, soldier when you see it because we've all been there. And uh, he uh, showed up with his, he showed up and he goes, hey, uh, Dan, I only have a day to shoot my bear. And I said, holy smokes, you know, how am I going to do that? You're going to give me one day for you to get to harvest a bear. That's pretty, that's yeah. asking a lot. And I said, all right, let's go. We're going to do this. And he's like, but I can come back if I don't get one today. I'm going, nope, we're going to go get it. Let's right. go. And uh, we went out and uh, two hours later, he harvests, harvests the bear. And uh, sitting there in the moment, it got real quiet. But then I heard some sobbing. And I looked over and I thought that he was upset that he just harvested an animal. And I kind of like, you know, put my, I just patted his shoulder. I'm like, it's all right, brother. It's okay. I'm like, you're going to eat, you're going to eat them. It's okay. He's like, no, it's not that. I'm not upset that I harvested that animal because I know I'm going to eat them. He's like, I'm upset because I haven't done anything that, like this in 20 years or felt this way in a very long time. I'm so thankful that this moment happened and that, you know, there's guys like you and other veterans out there that will, you know, take me on and show me, show me or give me the experience that you just did. And I mean, literally just had a, you know, two to three minute cry out and I'm sitting there, come on, man, don't do this. I'm trying not to choke up. <laughs> right. You know, right. And, <laughs> and, uh, well, needless to say, he was the most, uh, thankful, thankful, uh, veteran at the, that last year who, uh, couldn't say thank you enough. And I think that was a turning point for him knowing that we were there for him because, Later in 2019, he came along for a turkey hunt. He showed up with a bag, and he said, I said, what are you doing? He goes, I'm staying over here. And I go, why are you doing that? He goes, Cause, because we're family. And it just really, like, put a knot in my throat, and I gave him a big hug. And uh, and I got some awesome letters and uh, messages from his wife. says, I don't know what you guys did, but you changed him. He's going to his grandson's graduation. He's going to the grocery store with me. He talks about his experience all the time. He tells his story with you guys. And I think that that right there solidified that I need to reach as many veterans and LEOs and service members that are having this struggle. And uh, that's what made me go, you know, start the organization Operation Reboot Outdoors. That That's just fantastic. And, and also a good point is this is just not something that you do for veterans. You do for law enforcement organization, uh, emergency yeah. service folks as well. Uh, we don't, we, we do special bases. Like we had, uh, uh, nine uh, uh, first responder that we took on. Okay. We do special, we do special cases by special cases because, uh, the demand is starting to get up there and, uh, right. we want to be able to, to target our certain audience that our, uh, fundraisers are targeted for so that they're going to the proper, proper, uh, veterans and LEOs and service members that we're targeting really. Now, so, how big is your organization um it, a lot of volunteers what's what's the structure how do you do all this in order to take care of the well uh, obviously recruit the audience but also you know take care of them when they go on all these different events and and particular too is you know are you mentioned bear i know that you do big old pike and we'll talk about that but what are all, yeah. all the other elements that you do up in maine 
we do everything that the outdoors offers in Maine. You can you anything that the the veteran or uh, LEO service member wants, they contact us. And if it's offered in Maine, we we can figure out a way. We're we're lucky enough to have a huge huge support in the community and local guides and outfitters that uh, step up, and especially if we, it's not in our expertise, that they're more than willing to see that reboot is making a difference here in Maine. And it's, it's really infectious that people in the community just stepped up. I mean, honestly, the, you know, with the, with the fundraising, it's all been community mostly in right. small local businesses in Maine. So that's a huge thing that we're thankful for. And, and what are some of those businesses that kind of help out? Well, we got, uh, you got, uh, let's see, we got local guide services. Um, we got, uh, CB Electric, which was founded by a CB Navy vet. We got um, Peter Boldick from over in Poland, who who does uh, bear bait and helps us out with any mechanical stuff we need. We got um, what we got? Should we say it? We got Cabela's on board now. We got nice. um, that's yeah, a bigger, that's a bigger that's one, a bigger one yes. but that just came about. So, that was a grand. but yes. there's a uh, like local uh, hunters breakfast. In honor of uh, like a family member's name, we get people who send donations directly that are just personal donations. Uh, fun, GoFundMe on uh, Facebook and uh, birthday fundraisers, and in uh, uh, 320 Inc. Uh, does all our apparel, which uh, which we're proud to say that every bit of it goes back. Every every bit of the uh, contribution from the um, sale goes right back to operation reboot outdoors that is great that is fantastic i mean just a tremendous amount of resources and you know the fact that so much is going right back into the organization too and that's not easy that's 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 tough too um so mad respect for me on that um what what are let's talk about some of the fishing you've been you've been posting a lot about the pikes and stuff walk (laughs) me through some of that because i'm kind of jealous man Okay, so here's what we got going on. We have a bunch of veterans who come to this program and decide that this is something that they're interested in, and they uh, jump on board as volunteer staff, which means they don't get paid and they uh, spend their own personal time with us, and most of them all have family. So we make these teams. We have an ice fishing team right now that is kicking butt right now in our local area. We've landed we've actually let me stop back there we've brought out 23 different veterans right now alone in 2019 on the ice after pike and uh 2020 2020, i'm sorry 2020 in 2020 we brought out 23 veterans in 2019 we brought out 48 so we're well on our way to hitting 75 different veterans leos of service members in 2020 and uh we've we've just broke the personal uh veteran record with uh a 19.1 pound uh, pike, which is a very respectable wow. trophy here in Maine. And I mean, if nobody knows what a 19 pound fish looks like, it's pretty huge. Right. That is, I've never been ice fishing. So I, I'm, I might, we have to talk, talk after this podcast <laughs> is over because I, I'm telling you, you're, you're, you're putting itch in me uh, for sure. So what, uh, as far as like, you know, your, your coordination, how far does your calendar go out? You know, do you just plan month to month or do you just try to do quarterly? How does that work for you? It just seems like you're just go, go, go. It's season. It's season. Every season, right at, right back to back, whatever's next, we're jumping in it. The, the good thing about Operation Reboot Outdoors is that we grind. 
we're here for the veterans. It helps us just as much as it helps them. And the more we're out there doing this, it just, it just helps everybody out just that much more. And um, our organization concentrates on getting these veterans a reboot. You know, we don't concentrate on fundraising. We kind of, our mission is getting these guys out and that's what we want to focus on. And I think that uh, in, in my opinion, that means more to me than anything else. And I'll bring out somebody fishing on the last $25 in my bank account if I have to. That, that's uh, mad respect. And, you know, it. I think, too, it's it's an opportunity for these uh, veterans, LEOs, to kind of break out of that shell they need to break out of. Um, it. I know, you know, for me, when I went on the pheasant hunt, I was just – talking to the group that I was moving around with, uh, you know, doing in, into the field and, and, uh, hunting the pheasants and stuff. And there was probably like eight of us and six out of that eight. They're like, yeah, I used to, I haven't done it in, in forever. They're right. just that whole connection. And then you start just naturally talking about the things and you get that comfort and, you know, maybe you're able to let go some of the stuff you need to let go. Um, so, cause some things, as you know, they're just, they're just there and you, every day you have to figure a way to work through it, deal with it. And I think that's the part that stuff like this, it changes the daily story to something else. Like the gentleman you talked about earlier, you know, he's sharing the story of joy about, you know, the bear hunt, uh, going out turkey hunt, stuff like that. It, it changes the story. And one thing that I share with the, the kind of group out here that I, I spoke with a few weeks, well, a few months ago now is, you know, you are the mission. I think one of the hardest parts and LEOs probably connected with this as well is you constantly believe they need me. They need me. If I, if I don't do it, you know, da, da, you constantly, and I took that into my next job outside of the military. I was deploying all over the world, doing all this stuff. And I was just kept telling myself a few years ago, like, what the hell am I doing? And you're just in this thing that they need me. They need me. Well, guess what? You are the mission now. Your family's the mission. And things like this help break that out and they can see it. And it is just amazing what you're doing um, because it's not <laughs> – it's not just about the hunt. It is so much more or the fishing. It is so much more. And, you know, there's not enough podcast time to, but I know that there's an audience out there and I'm hoping that they are listening to this podcast and they are connecting with it and resourcing you. Now, far as like anything that you do or any other groups that you might connect with outside of Maine, is that something that you're thinking about? Well, the thing with Operation Reboot Outdoors is that I'm big in, in helping out as many as we can, obviously. And I want to uh, – I, I really enjoy seeing other veteran-run organizations that help veterans. And I, I am trying to bridge this gap where, you know, it's not a competition over funding or anything like that, that we need to come together and make – Right. Cut into the 22 a day and uh, help these guys out. And I – you know, I have we have I have some brothers out here that run organizations, and we work together. We talk, and I've been mentored by them because I had I didn't know anything about it, and um, I think that's a huge thing that we all need to remember that this is to never lose focus of the reason why we started this and the real reason, and that's to help every help each other out and have each have the sixes like we did back in the military. And um, if I ever stop feeling that way or thinking that way, then I'll be done doing this. Right. But, uh, you know, and uh, 
that's the huge thing on me. And uh, I would, I'd be willing to, uh, you know, talk about other veteran organizations outside and doing some co-ops and uh, setting these guys up. Look, Operation Reboot doesn't have any uh, requirements. We don't stereotype on what kind of veteran LEO service member comes up here. You want to come up and uh, experience some success, maybe. But most of all, get treated like family, have camaraderie, and tell some great stories, and just ha and just see this beautiful country up here in Maine. Then anyone's more than welcome to come up and try to do a reboot. Yeah, I went to Sears School up in Maine in like October, <laughs> and uh, I remember uh, going through my invasion phase, and I saw a frozen moose that was up on the crest there, and I'm thinking, dude, if that guy didn't make it, what am I doing? <laughs> 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 that's but awesome i ate a lot of the the apple clover that's out there yeah i call it apple clover because yeah my yeah i ate too many probably and then uh <laughs> the little creek trout that's in there um yeah yeah definitely didn't measure those uh before, so <laughs> it was what it was <laughs> yeah it is what it is it, yeah awesome. it's beautiful country beautiful country up there yeah um so we, go ahead uh, we operate in the Western Mountains right around that uh, SEER school. We have SEER people come. We've had SEER uh, instructors come down to Operation Reboot Outdoors, and I enjoy every single one of them that come down here mentally. they got some great stories, and they're great guys, and they're big supporters of Reboot. Yeah, I, I think it's just amazing what you're doing. So is there any particular groups that you want to highlight particular that have just kind of helped all this come along? I know you mentioned some companies, uh, Cabela's, big win for you right there. I, I hear that. But is there yeah. anybody we, you want to talk about that you know, specifically to kind of help bring this yeah. along and help you sustain? I got Doc Goodwin out there with the Windy Warrior, Windy Warrior Project uh, uh, up in Bangor, and uh, he, he runs two organizations uh, the Windy Warrior Adrenaline Therapy and uh, MVP, Main Veteran Projects up in Bangor. He's uh, had our back through this whole thing. And um, all the other organizations out there that are, you know, uh, steering true north, doing the right thing and getting many vets out there to heal and helping us uh, fight this 22 a day, this epidemic. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. I, it's, there's not a day I don't open up my uh, Facebook and and don't see something like that. And it's even tougher when it's someone you know and and it's always the same thing. It's like I can't believe that guy or that gal would do that. It's just it's just it's tragic, very tragic. And you just don't know what is going on uh, with someone and finding him the right environment to connect with and hopefully. Uh, getting people outdoors gets, like you said, that reboot. I mean, it's just, it's something that we're trying to do with this podcast. And that obviously we're open to, to the more uh, public, if you will, because you see this issue where people are just getting too comfortable and there's too much. I can't, or I never done that. Da, 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 da. Kind of that same trend. Get outside, go experience this. I mean, I, I tell you just, it is, it is just a reset. It's enjoyable. And you're really living when you do that. You truly are. Um, yeah. So, kind of like when you're bracing the sock and like, uh, you know, you're cold, you're extremely cold or you've yes. been out there all day and you're sitting in an uncomfortable position. And it kind of reminds you that you're alive and that, you know, some of the things you're thinking of back home that are not so good, aren't so bad. And you kind of just, they just kind of disappear out in the wilderness and on the water. The most miserable experiences I've ever had outdoors, whether it was in the military or outside the military, are generally the greatest moments that I've ever had, too. Exactly. Um, and I think people, most people who have, who have been outdoors or 
I know definitely individuals in the military can connect with that and say, yep, I know where he's coming from. All right. So far as where people can find you, um, if they're looking at connecting with you, if they're looking to provide a donation, what are all the different places that they can go to? And we'll also put those in the show notes as well. Okay. First one we got is we got our uh, website which is uh, being updated and uh, professionally done here pretty soon, which is www.operationrebootoutdoors.com. Okay. And then we have Facebook. Obviously, it's a big social media platform for us, which is one of our biggest ones. Then we have Instagram, which is Operation Reboot Outdoors. And uh, that's the three big ones we got. But also, you know, we spread pamphlets out throughout the state and that local uh, – uh, mil, uh, veteran uh, facilities as far as the vet center, the VA and stuff like that. And uh, one more, th- a couple other people I forgot to mention that I want to thank. I want to thank for my wife for. Uh, yeah, so, she, uh, she's there with you, right? You can say hi. Yeah, she's here. She's right beside me. She's my rock and uh, she allows me to do this. And I, I, I spend a lot of time doing this. And also all my volunteer uh you know, volunteer reboot guys who come out here every day and grind and go for days on end to make these guys' day, put smiles on their face and help push me. And I try to push them without those guys. I don't think, I, you know, this would be possible. So every one of you know who you are and I, you know, thank you so much. Yeah. I, I tell you, um, like my, my fellow host, Chuck, um, he's not on this in you right now, but he was a big factor in this too. I literally met Chuck. He had, he was behind a backcountry hunters, uh, anglers table at an outdoor event that I was at mainly for off-roaders. And I was like, Hey man, um, I want to go hunting. Uh, and he's like, I'll, I'll take you literally. That's what it was. And we went Turkey hunting. So Chuck and I didn't get a Turkey that day, but we had a phenomenal time, man. And, uh, it was just really, and I'm telling you now we're doing a podcast together that all That's happened awesome. in one year. So many things can happen and what you're doing is amazing. I will definitely bring you back on anytime you want to come back on. You give me a holler, uh, anything that we can do for you, reach out. Uh, I want to see you grow. I would love to help you out in any way, shape or form. Uh, appreciate what you, your wife, your volunteers and all your supporters do. Thank you so much for being on the podcast, brother. Thank you, uh, Brian and reboot out. Since 1989, Tuffy Security Products has been the industry leader in automotive security. Tuffy has a variety of vehicle-specific consoles, drawers, and lockboxes. Tuffy manufacturers adventure-ready organization and security for your Jeep, truck, or SUV. Visit TuffyProducts.com and use special offer code GRIND to save 10% on your order. The Cup of Joe segment is brought to you by Seasteak Coffee. Have you ever actually drank good coffee? Stop wasting your money on old, stale coffee from the store and make the switch to Seasteak Coffee. Seasteak Coffee is a United States Marine Corps veteran-owned and operated roastery selling premium coffee that's roasted on order and delivered fresh to you. Order your coffee today at www.seasteakcoffee.com. Chuck, I'll say it again. Glad to have you back, man. Yeah, man. Glad to be back. Dude, uh, Dan's story is, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty badass, man. Uh, I, I would be lying to you if I didn't tell you there was a couple times where I, he was talking, I had to step away a little bit from the mic and just compose myself a little bit. Cause 
I get it, man. And you know, it's a resource. And here you have a veteran that literally can say, yeah, man, I understand. I've been there. And he's doing something about it. He's not a talker. He's a doer. Yep. And I'm telling you, I, I'm that story. Kind of like what I shared a little bit too. Uh, right. I, well, I mean, and his, it's like it, it, it literally, I mean, it is uh pull yourself up by the bootstraps type deal. But not only did he realize to pick himself up, but for him to go out and to reach out and to, and to pick up his brothers. Cause I can't imagine like it, it, it's such a, it's a foreign concept to me, like how close, like the, the literal brotherhood of the military is and would be, cause you've experienced a bunch of stuff that 99% of the rest of the population never have and never will experience. Uh, and to for him to put that together and to be able to create a business out of it and then to have the volunteers and, and to incorporate the hunting into it and for for them as a hunter it means a lot to me knowing that hunting is helping and fishing is is helping is like this healing process for all these veterans that put in so much and did so much you know what i'm saying oh yeah absolutely and i want to be clear he's a non-profit so he does right. this all out of yep. a non-profit it's self-sustaining hundred percent, like I said in the intro, a hundred percent of the uh, money goes to the uh, Operation Reboot Outdoors. The veterans show up or the LEOs because he also uh, uh, yep. helps out LEOs. They, they just show up. If they're going on a hunt, it would probably be good to you know have your own weapon, of course. But, you know, it doesn't cost them anything. Just get there. And it's a lot of camaraderie. And one story, so not to take away from Dan's story at all. Uh, I kind of mentioned it a little bit in the interview, but not this weekend, but next weekend, I'm going to go. Last year, I participated in a, uh, a During Gratitude event. That was the catalyst for me to say, you know what? I need to get back in this. This is going to – I you know, I was totally charged up, and it totally brought posit- positive uh, things out of me, uh, and I've totally committed to getting back into hunting. Well, I'm going to volunteer at that event on February 8th, and – I'm hoping if you're a veteran, you're looking to maybe get into hunting. Uh, if you're in North Carolina, look up enduring gratitude.org and you might have some spots available. And it's great. You're out there shooting clays all day. You go on a pheasant hunt. And it's It was just amazing. And without that experience, Chuck and I, I wouldn't even met you, Chuck. I wouldn't even thought about going over to your table, you know? Right. And yep. it's just a, a domino effect. It, it gave me what I needed to realize, hey, man. You need to go live a life. You need to live the things you enjoy. And now I'm doing that. And yeah. I'm so grateful for it. But, uh, you know, another great, great thing. Look, you know, so, you know, Chuck, you're very involved with the North Carolina uh, backcountry hunters and anglers. They got a couple things going on here. Yeah. Uh, one thing we're doing right now is in North Carolina, we're doing a raffle. And it's a cast and cast and blast raffle, and it's the winner and a guest are going to be able to go down, and it's a it's a full day of hunting and fishing out of Wilmington. So you'd start the day off pushing around in the backwater in the marsh areas, kicking up clapper rails out of the grass, which clapper rail is um it's also known as a marsh hen. It's a it's a small bird game bird that lives in the grass um and it's it was described to me by captain allen who's the the guide that we'll be using 
is squirrel hunt. I mean, a squirrel hunting is quail hunting from the front of a boat, more right. or less. Uh, so you go out, you'll hunt those, and then when the day wraps up and the tide falls, it's time to start fishing. You'll be chasing around various inshore species, whether that's uh, with a fly rod or spinning tackle. Realistically, it's going to depend on the time of the year when you go down there to hunt. It's all in the fall, but different fish be migrating through and hanging out in that backwater. So anybody interested in uh, in tickets, they're $10 each. And 80% of the money stays in North Carolina, support the North Carolina chapter of backcountry hunters and anglers. But if you, if you would be interested in purchasing, reach out either at uh, NCBHA on Instagram or NCBHA on Facebook or North Carolina at backcountryhunters.org and reach out. We'll get you signed up. Payments are accepted through Venmo or PayPal. And even if you're not in North Carolina, if you're down around the Gulf Coast, Captain Allen also does some guided trips down there. So what we've decided to do is if somebody wins from Louisiana or if anybody wants to travel to Louisiana and go fishing with Captain Allen down there, you can go and we're essentially, you'll have to pay the difference in cost, which is going to be a couple hundred bucks. I think a trip here in North Carolina is like $550. Uh, a trip in Louisiana is 700, 750, something like that. It will be just for fishing, but you'll be fishing for giant bull reds and it'll be in the winter time. But yeah, if you wanted to do that, we'll, we'll, we'll put $550 or whatever towards that trip and the winter can just cover the rest. That's pretty cool. What about, uh, you said something about squirrels. I'm going squirrel hunting this weekend, man. I might be solo though. Yeah, man, it's that time. Uh, duck season's wrapped up. I've went back duck hunting for my second time. I'm totally addicted. But, yeah, it's definitely squirrel hunting time. Uh, it's another thing BHA is doing across the state, North Carolina BHA. Uh, we do an annual uh, trashy squirrel hunt, and it's essentially a hunting contest to where you get points for picking up trash and killing squirrels off of public land in North Carolina. And... It's broken down by district. North, uh, North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission manages the state in nine separate districts. So whichever district has the most points gets this really su- sweet trophy. Uh, it's a taxidermied squirrel wearing a cowboy hat. He's got a little prong that helps him pick up garbage. Uh, it's pretty sweet. But, yeah, it's uh, if anybody wants the details, they can find that on Backcountry Hunters and Anglers website, backcountryhunters.org. And it lays out the scoring system in the whole nine. But that runs for two weeks, starting starting Saturday, actually. And all squirrels must be taken off public land. But it's, it's really cool. I mean, it ends up end up picking up a, few thousand, a couple thousand pounds of trash last year. So, right. all, and only two squirrels got killed, which was the great part about it. <laughs> all, the po- all the points were really gotten by picking up trash. Well, that's so. great. I, I, well, I plan to get some. So, you know, I got a question since I'm going to be participating in that. Uh, I, I met a guy actually that is in the Facebook group and we kind of linked up and we kind of have a plan of what we're going to do. But w- what do you think? You know, 22 shotgun. I mean, I'm kind of leaning more towards shotgun right now. I mean, I'm more than confident with uh, the 22, but... Um, I've been watching a, a, a couple of different videos and I see these guys, you know, toting around shotguns with, you know, what do they got? They're using maybe eight shot or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Seven and a half, eight. So when I squirrel hunt in January, I typically carry a shotgun. And the reason I carry a shotgun is because dove season's still in. 
Nice. And it's illegal to shoot a migratory bird with a rifle, and I like dove. And I tend to jump a lot of dove up during January. So I'll carry a shotgun a lot of times in January. But then in February, I typically carry just a twenty-two and just headshots only. Right, right. And I was kind of like, I think I'm going to go shotgun. I'm, like I said, I'm pretty confident uh, with the twenty-two, but I've never used a shotgun. Um, and I want to kind of figure that one out. Um, Shotgun's I don't have, fun. I don't have any dogs. I'm not sure if this guy runs squirrel dogs. I know with squirrel dogs, it's a lot more fun, uh, no doubt. So if you're in North Carolina, you're running squirrel dogs, I would love to join your party. Just yeah. holler at us. Yeah. Uh, we're going to have all these links in the show notes, uh, so you'll have them. I know it's a lot of information we kind of covered here. But, hey, we also have that other review uh, we need to kind of yep. cover. Yeah, we had a review back on episode two. Like uh, like Brian mentioned, we, we kind of overlooked some stuff on the website in terms of the reviews go. But – it's a review that came in from Patrick J and he says, Hey guys, enjoying the show. Didn't want to call in, but I have a few questions. What tips would you have for someone trying to get into hunting? How would you find safe and legal places to hunt? Thanks. And because this was kind of a Q and a type deal, this is why we pushed this off to the end. But realistically, my recommendation, and I know Brian would agree with me because of, he went to the Turkey seminar is Look into the GS anything that North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission offers. Uh, really look into it. Anything that your state, where where Patrick, I'm not sure where he's from. Anything that your state may offer through their wildlife management agency that that would be my number one place to go uh, because they're gonna do they're gonna be very structured programs. They're gonna be laid out in a manner to where you're gonna get a lot of information and more than likely you're also gonna get a hunt of some sort. Also reach out to other conservation organizations. I know BHA is really big in the R3 now. National Wild Turkey Federation, they're big in the R3. I'm not sure how the Wildlife Federation is nationally, but I would imagine that they are, they've got a pretty decent R3 program. All, all of these or, organizations really want, want new hunters. Now, in terms of finding safe and legal places to hunt, that's going to be somewhere where most people get into it. I always assume that they're not going to have access to private land. And that's where it's going to come in handy, being able to go to your state agency's website and to figure out how to navigate that. Typically, there's going to be a heading, and it's going to be the two things that I've seen. It's either going to be very specific, and it's going to say, like, there'll be a link to click on that's like WMAs or game lands. But in North Carolina, their their little link that you click on is called where to hunt and then it nav it, and then from there you can navigate to these interactive maps and all these and the laws and whatnot for game lands under that where to hunt page so and then ask around everybody realistically they have a outdoor store close by uh, that will have some local knowledge I, I recommend getting as much local knowledge as you possibly can do like Brian, ask somebody like, Hey, I'd love to go hunting. That's, you know, you kick, you beat the bushes enough. Somebody's going to take you hunting. And more often than not, I mean, other hunters are open to taking out new people. That's how I got into duck hunting. You know, I, I met, I met my buddy now that I'm duck hunting with. I text the dude all the time. We're good friends. And I just said, he had made a couple comments and I was like, Hey, I, I think I want to get on the water. He was like, what day can you go? I mean, it was just that easy. So, 
I know Brian, you got more experience, like with the the new hunter thing. I guess did I touch on everything? What else? I yeah, mean, anything else you would include? The the very first thing I did, obviously, you know, I whatever it was uh, motivated me, and that was the obviously the enduring gratitude event. I literally went onto the state website and just started reading and started looking. The big thing is, you know, the hunter safety course. If you don't have it, that's the very first thing you absolutely want to. Get a hold of, take it. There's a variety of ways here in North Carolina. You could do an, uh, it on the web, and then you show up at you know one of the places, and you actually take a test there too, and you finish it up uh, with a ranger there, and they, they give you the paperwork, and you're good to go. So you make sure hunter safety is checked out. If you ever taken it before, they're just going to look up your number, and you should still be good to go and whatnot. Um, unless you, some states might be where if you haven't hunt over a certain period of time, you might have to redo it or take a refresher course. Then it just comes down to what do you want to hunt? Where do you want to go? And that is where you need to get active. We're fortunate because we have social media. There are tons of groups that you can join and just start asking these questions. You know, there's every state has a hunter group page that you can join on. Not they're they're everywhere. I know because I probably joined uh, about 60% of them on Facebook uh, just because I've had all those questions. So that's really it. A lot of it comes down to you have to do your part. If this is something you want to get into, um, it's not going to show up on your doorstep. You got to do your due diligence. And the biggest thing is make sure that you go about it honestly. You don't go alone. You don't, you know, I, I was hunting years ago, but I approached it in this way. Hey, I'm not going to go out there by myself. And, you know, that's exactly how I met Chuck. Hey, man, turkey season. I want to go hunting. He's like, I'll take you. We went. And, yep. you know, that's really it. Uh, I have an experienced hunter with me. Uh, we go to an area he's really familiar with and we're walking. I'm learning. Okay, good to go. So it's all about that. Bust off the cobwebs. And then you have someone who can honestly, if you're going doing something wrong, they can put you in check and show you the right thing to do as well. So it's a, you got to put yourself in that full, ed- it, being a good hunter is being educated. That's how I look at it. And if you're not sure, don't take the shot. I, I, I can't, I personally can't say that enough because you can't take that shot back. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, I'm glad you brought up hunter safety. That was something that I totally overlooked. Uh, and, and realistically it's, it's, it's something I'd done so long ago. Um, so I know in North Carolina, at least when I was coming up through school and I'm pretty sure they still do it. Hunter safety was offered during school. Like I took hunter safety in seventh grade. Uh, at the time I wasn't required to take hunter safety due to my age. Uh, now coming up, I, w- I am now required to have it. But I, even if you've had hunter safety before, let's say you're in a situation like mine, you had it as a little kid, but you've never hunted, you've never used it. You've never applied anything. I've, I wholeheartedly recommend going and taking it again. It's not going to be a how to hunt, but you're going to get a very solid debrief on the rules and the do's of don'ts of what to do in terms of firearm safety and ethical hunting. Um, or at least there should be some ethical hunting component to it, but yeah, I, I recommend, even if you have it, even if, even if you've taken it and you're eligible to get a license, but it's been years and years and years since you've participated in any type of hunting activity, I do recommend going and getting it again. You know, and tree stand safety. That's another thing about hunter safety. It goes into that. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, see, that's that's fantastic. And then as a as a final resource, I do recommend YouTube for the how-tos. Um, but it, <laughs> that's one thing that is kind of a – it can be a catch-22. It can be kind of sketchy because as a non-hunter, you don't really know what's good information and bad information. 
uh, a lot of times you're, you're going to get some bad information. I think your forums where you can have real time conversation with folks and on Facebook and stuff is probably better in terms of using technology and social media, just like what Brian brought up, get on those groups, track people down. Uh, but yeah, uh, don't forget though. YouTube is always out there. Yeah. And you know, Patrick, because we don't know your age here in North Carolina and Chuck, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're 16 or under long as you're with uh, a licensed hunter, you're good to go. And the cool thing about it is you get your tags for a small fee. Like it's a processing fee. So yeah, two bucks. Yeah. It's so look at it that way. If you're, you're, you're someone that fits in that age group, uh, because we don't know how old you are, then reach out to, uh, someone experienced hunter and, Long story short, if you're still trying having problems finding somebody, hit me up, man. I have no yeah. problem. Hit me up. I literally am a part of like nearly every group on Facebook. I, I'm yeah. not, that's not even a joke. Chuck can tell you. I'm always hitting them up. Hey, man, you see this? So definitely get in there. Um, I, I, Message us for sure. I want to definitely just mention again, uh, Dan, uh, amazing interview. Thank you so much for taking the time. I could love to get up to Maine myself and participate in that. And uh, just really anything we can do to support you and your message, I would love to have you back on. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, at some point uh, in the right season, we can maybe do a from the field interview where you and Chuck sit down and have a great uh, conversation over a, a wonderful hunt about a wonderful hunt that you have out there. But really, man, your story, this is exactly why we're doing this show, uh, to get stories like that and all the other guests that we have. It's not about celebrating, you know, the super big influencers and all that necessarily. We want people like that on, but we need people that are, hey, man, I'm doing it. And then that means that just someone out there listen, you can do it too. So thank you so yep. much. Oh, yeah. No, I echo those sentiments 100%. Thanks, Dan. Well, y'all, hey, thanks for joining us. And remember, if you have an idea or maybe you'd like to contribute to one of our segments, you only have all you have to do is go to root16.com and select contact. And you can just let us know your idea. That's R-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com and select contact. We would love to hear your idea and maybe we'll bring it on the show. Thanks for listening to the Route 16 Grind. We want to thank our amazing sponsors, Warren Industries, Tuffy Security Products, C-State Coffee, and Route 16 Off-Road for their support. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, and more. Just look for Route 16. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X. Or just go to Route16.com. Until next week, plan smart, be safe, and as always, be prepared. Things that make Chuck go hmm. crazy beaver shovels. Yeah!